We're on a highway to hell yeah, and I think we like it. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Dram Talk. I'm Brad. And I'm Daniel. And today, we're doing something a little different. We are going to have a Dram Talk talk episode of Dram Talk. Yeah, a talk, talk, talk. Talk, 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 talk. With a dram. <laughs> so, we have the Hellier's Road Pinot Noir finish, which comes to us from a friend of the pod. It was a recommendation we received in chatting to Kane, who reached out to us. So, Kane, um, cheers. Yeah, cheers. Yeah, we're pouring, you're pouring your recommendation today. Yeah. We just figured we'd pour a dram. We'll, we'll do a little bit of change of pace from our previous reviews, where we're not going to be sitting down with two drams and reviewing them. We're sitting down with this one dram. We'll give our thoughts and impressions throughout, but I think we'll just have a chat about whiskey and everything else that we associate with it. Yeah, and I think like we'll probably still re- end up reviewing this and giving it a rating by the end of the episode. But yeah, just to really just I guess give you a little insight what's going to happen later on. We're just sitting down and talking. Basically it. So when Kane reached out to us, obviously fan of whiskey, listens to a whiskey podcast. You'd, you'd be surprised if someone was listening <laughs> yeah. that didn't like it. <laughs> but we're just curious as to like what he rated as his top whiskeys. So he mentioned the the Belveni Doublewood, 17-year-old, the Macallan 12-year-old, and Hellier's Road Pinot Noir finish. Now, we haven't tried any of those. Yeah. <laughs> but this was coming off us just about to review the Ardbeg Black, and we already had that bottle. We'd already tried it. We already enjoyed it. So hearing an Australian whiskey that had a Pinot Noir finish really like stuck out to us. So I was like, that sounds cool. Let's look into that. Because I think in our Ardbeg episode, we mentioned we don't know too many... Well, I think we specified scotches. We don't know too many scotches that have been aged in Pinot Noir casks and whiskeys in general. And like not even realizing at the time we were saying that, I had yeah. a bottle on my shelf, the Westwood, which was from the Whiskey Club. That was Yeah, that was like after the fact we recorded it. And then we're like, oh yeah, we haven't seen any other whiskey do that. They're like, turn to the right. It's like, ah. Oh, Sitting on the shelf looking at us. <laughs> yeah. And then, yeah, so just hearing about an Australian one that's done that. And I've heard good things about Hellier's Road. It's located down in Tasmania, which is like prime real estate and climate conditions for whiskey distilleries. Yeah. And then, yeah, so we just went out, purchased a bottle of this and decided to check it out. So just, I mean, like we've already poured a dram. Yeah. I guess just starting off initial first impressions, like looking at the color, it's, it's like a rose gold, almost like a copper. Yeah, yeah. I'd, yeah, I'd say copper, but even that rose gold is like pretty accurate as well. Yeah, it's it's got a great color on it. Yeah, it's really interesting. And I think that kind of really red tinge is just carrying over from the Pinot Noir finish. And so to, just, just to kick it off with the nose, because I'm sure we'll get into the palette shortly, but sat with this for a little bit and have contemplated it. And I think like one of the very first things that comes across on the nose with this is like fresh grass. Yeah, yeah. It's very mulchy. That's for sure. And even for me, like, I guess if I'm like looking behind that grassy note, I'm almost getting a cherry ripe. Oh, yep. Okay. I really see that. There's, it's, it's really strange because I almost get the texture of the cherry ripe on the nose, like that mix of the cherries yeah, with yeah. the coconut. It's, um, it's really enticing. And even like as it's continuing, continuing to sit in the glass and just develop, it's losing a bit of that intensity, but it's, I guess, being replaced by a mintiness. Yep. I can see that. And, as you said, like that that's the perfect way to describe it. When we first poured it on the nose, it was super intense. And there was 
a note and a flavor that I couldn't quite pin down until it finally cap- like I finally nailed it when I read on Master of Malt. They said hints of pina colada and I realized it was pineapple. And oh, okay. the yep. pineapple that I was getting was a very, like a very green, a very like not quite ripe pineapple, but like okay. when you cut it open and it's super citrusy, it's super bitey, it's super sour. Like that's what I was getting on the nose. And that was, that had been bugging me for, cause we opened this a week or two ago, tried a dram and now we've gotten around to recording it. But like there has been something that was bugging me about it. And I finally pinned it down to that note of pineapple. Yeah. And I mean, Kane did recommend this to us like ages ago. And I mean- Apologies for getting to it so late, but it was just, I know Daniel and I, we poured a glass of this and like just the look of frustration on his face when he couldn't pinpoint what it was that he was experiencing. And then we're just like, we can't record this because he doesn't know what he's experiencing. So it's just going to be a continual silence. We did try an episode, but it was about 37 minutes of just pure silence with me going, "Mm, uh, I don't know what it is. (laughs) Yeah, I was like, "Ah, this isn't good chat. We need to cut it out. I think it still could have worked, but no, I think Brad had the final word on that and we decided to scrap it. (laughs) There's only so many sound bites I can put into an episode, Daniel. (laughs) Yeah, and then interestingly enough, we have received a couple of different emails. um, Well, some more correspondence from Kane, but also from a listener in America. And they were just responding to a segment we had in one of our early episodes. Um, I think it was our Oban episode where we talked about the five whiskey bottles that we think you should have. Yeah. So just going back to our Oban episode, I think that was episode three. Was it episode two? Yep. No, it was episode three. 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 Yeah. Acting like we've done this for ages. No. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So it was just going back to like a segment or not really a segment, but a post I'd seen on Reddit where someone had mentioned saying, oh, look, uh, if you only had five bottles of whiskey, like what would they be? Then there was just five, I guess, categories as well. You'd say you'd have your daily drinker, you know, that bottle you keep going back to yep. the one when you just want to enjoy whiskey and sit back and relax. You know, it doesn't necessarily have to be affordable either. Cause I mean, we all have different, I guess, concepts of what is affordable. Yeah. Anyway, then I guess the next one would be the showy one. So, you know, it's, it's not overly fancy, but I'd say you'd mainly use that to impress or introduce friends to scotch. Mm-hmm. Then the one after that, you had the cheap one. Or the blender, right? So that could probably be for maybe those people that don't necessarily fully, I don't want to say appreciate scotch, but maybe don't want to go through that whole experience of tasting, nosing, and that whole, I guess that whole process. They don't really want to go through that. Or even those people that just, they just want to mix it with something and just, you know, and that's perfectly fine as well. Then the one after that, you've got the great one. So maybe that once or twice a week dram, you know, if it's good, if it's good enough to be here, you're probably going to have it more than twice a week, let's be honest. Yeah. <laughs> or maybe it's even that Friday night dram, you know, the one that you want to use to kick off that weekend. Then finally, you've got your special one. So this is that whiskey that you've saved to commemorate a special occasion. Yeah. So Kane came back to us and he said for his daily drinker, he would have the Abelau 12-year double cask. Haven't tried that one. Nope. But... If he's put it on his daily drinker, it's got to be good. And I mean, like, he seems to have recommended some pretty good ones. So we, we take his recommendations into consideration. Then for his showy one, he had the Glendronach traditionally petered. This kind of annoys me because this was an optional add-in with the Whiskey Club. Yeah, we missed out on that one. That I selected but didn't get. And oh, just seeing that come up on his list and seeing posts about it all over the place after 
people who are members of the whiskey club in Australia receive their bottles, how much they enjoyed it. It just, I'm like, I need to track this bottle down. Does not seem possible though. And so for his blender, he had Jameson triple distilled, which fair call. Jameson's pretty cheap. I think that sits around $45 here yeah, in Australia. Yeah, that's real affordable for us. And I mean, Jameson isn't bad. Like you, it's one you can drink neat as well. Yeah. So... I think that's a pretty safe bet. Like if you've got people who you don't know how they'll react, it's something you can drink neat, something that's really easy with a mix and you're not going to break your heart if they request. <laughs> Coke. <laughs> yeah, or dry ginger ale. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then for the great one, he put down the Balvenie 21-year-old Portwood. Oh. Now, this, it sounds good. I've, I've seen this one before. Again, another one I haven't tried. But yeah, like he seems to love his Balvenie because he also put it as his number five, which was the special occasion one. Yeah. And he had the Balvenie 17 year old double wood. It was a okay. special gift for him. So I think that was more sentimental value. Yeah. Because like, I'm, I'm interested to know like how the 17 compares to the 21 year old. Oh yeah. That, that would be a pretty interesting comparison. Definitely. Yeah. And then if we're jumping to like within that same whiskey category, we got an email from an American listener. Um, his name is Will. He's located in Arizona in the States. So he told us he was relatively new to whiskey. He started with bourbon. We've kind of done the reverse of that journey. We started with whiskey yeah. and only recently stepped into bourbon. <laughs> yeah, but look, you got to start somewhere, right? Exactly, yeah. So for his daily drinker, he had the Glenallachie 12. Now, this was after he listened to our episode where we talked about the 15. He hasn't tried the 15, but he loves the 12. And it's just another one where I've heard people just say good things about the 12. Man, these guys are just rubbing it into you. I know. (laughs) Just like they seem to point out the ones that I really want to try. And like everyone has tried them but me. (laughs) Now for his showy one, he agreed with me. He put down his Lagavulin 16. He says he found that a great intro to Isla region without like blowing out someone's palate. Okay, yeah, that's fair enough. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that as well. Yeah, so. I mean, like it's still it, undoubtedly Isla, undoubtedly smoky, but it's I think it is a good entry point for his cheap blender. He put Johnny Walker Black. Okay, fair call. I think yeah. I had the double black for me there. Um, yeah, yeah, double black. Yeah, yeah. So that's a, that's a good option as well. And then his great one, he had Glenmorangie La Santa. Now I'm a fan of Glenmorangie. It was one of my early ones that I got into whiskey on. I haven't tried the La Santa, but he said he loved the sweetness that the sherry casks bring to them. And I mean, I found from the Glenallachy 15 and from a lot of the Isla ones that do, their sweetness comes from sherry casks. I think that's quite a quite a good option there. Yeah. And I mean, those Glenmorangie ones, they, they always stick out. I don't really know if they always put an age statement on their bottle, but like they always have like these, I guess these great names on them, you know? Yeah. They don't usually, I'm pretty sure the 10 is, they, they've put like a 10 year old age statement, yeah. but a lot of them don't usually carry an age statement. Yeah. Yeah, because we always hear like great things about Signet and, yeah. you know, so <laughs> it's probably one we're going to have to grab. Mm-hmm. And then for his special one, it was also a Glenmorangie. He had the Glenmorangie Spios, which I have never heard of, yeah. um, but he said it was rich, deep, sweet, complex flavors, but because of the price, it's not something that he would bring out every day, Yeah, which I think is fair for that. Yeah, that's a fair call. Yeah. Like most of our special ones would be a ones we'd only bring out with either for special occasions or with people who we know really appreciate whiskey. So just thank you to you guys for sending in your list there. It's great to hear it. And I think I've added a couple more whiskeys to my list, or at least a couple of whiskeys I had on my list have bumped up a few places. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the same for me. And I mean, look, just reach out. We always, we just love to hear this stuff, you know, so... And it just helps us as well, like on our whiskey journey. And then it's like, I guess that's all part of the process, you know, just everyone just helping each other. And I guess... 
what I've really found is really great about the whole scotch and whiskey community as well. So far anyway, from my experience is it's very inclusive. So yeah, I've been pretty happy with that. And one of the things is like, I'm a super impulse buyer. Like I've yeah, got a yeah, lot of whiskeys yeah, on my list, but if yeah. you send me something that catches my eye, I'll go out and buy it. Like I did with the Hellier's Road here. Like Kane mentioned it and I was like, well, now that's all I'm thinking about. I need to go and buy that. So went out and purchased it. So just, yeah, if there's one that you think you desperately want people to try, because I know there are ones that I would love people to try as well, then just let us know. We always love to hear from you. Yeah. And I guess like just me mentioning that inclusive nature that we've found so far with like this world of whiskey and scotch, I guess there's been like a real controversial thing come out with Jim Murray, I guess, using, I guess, some real sexist language in his reviews of whiskey. Now, look, for me personally, I think there, there's so, there are so many women in, I guess, real prominent places in a lot of distilleries yeah. and they're just really, I guess there's no real need to describe whiskey like that. Yeah, no, like it's, it's not really necessary. And like, regardless of your intentions behind it, if it if your words have the power to make people feel alienated and discriminated against, especially in an industry where, like, whiskey's commonly associated with, like, masculinity when it doesn't really need to be. Yeah, no way, yeah. There's just no place for that. Yeah, no way. And, I mean, like, I'd hate for it, like, just to think that we've got a friend and if she's interested in drinking whiskey... Mm. And then if she's gone out and tried to get, I guess, that same experience or help and then found that it's not so inclusive, that'd just be horrible, right? Because at the yeah. end of the day, you, for us anyway, we want to introduce as many people to scotch and whiskey as possible. Yep, exactly. You know? And there's no, we don't want there to be any barrier of entry at all. No, no of course not. And like, there, there doesn't need to be. Like, yeah, there's at all. So, like, there's nothing intrinsically gendered about whiskey. It can be enjoyed by everyone, however you want to enjoy it. Yeah, and, and I guess when you think about it as well, it's like, I just can't, I guess, think to review or place those kind of words on a whiskey when it's made by so many different people mm-hmm. and from pe- with uh, made by people from so many different walks of life. So it's kind of just... And I know we've mentioned in previous episodes that I guess we've used, I guess maybe in two episodes, we've used, I guess, Jim Murray's, I guess, references for some bottles. Yeah, and I mean, that's kind of on us, mainly because we didn't... We didn't like we haven't actually looked at what he said about them. Yeah, it's just bottles we've got that had that seal on it. And yeah, we brought that up because it seemed to be a thing that carried across across a lot of distilleries and a lot of whiskies. So yeah, like I think when it comes down to it, like when it, whatever we review and whatever we state, we should probably always check and confirm and see what's actually being said. But I know like he's he's not he's not without controversy in the field. But it just seemed to be something that a lot of distilleries put on their bottles. So it seemed to be like a measure to go by. Yeah. And I mean, like, I guess just summing it all up. I mean, like, look, I went over and I looked at some of the comments he'd made on whiskey. And I mean, I don't even want to bring it up because it's so, I guess it's just in poor taste. Yeah. You know, so I think we just leave it at that because yeah, all in all, while we just want to get across overall messages, whiskey's for everyone, you know? And it's like, if you just want to go up and get a bottle or get a dram, because, you know, I'm going up and asking for a bottle. I'm mm-hmm. not asking for a dram. You shouldn't feel, I guess, embarrassed or it's not your place to do so. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So just come on, guys <laughs> and girls. It's for everyone. <laughs> and I guess saying that, just back to our uh, Hellier's Road here, Pinot Noir cast. Let's just get onto some palette now, because, I mean, we've gone through the nose. We've mentioned, I guess, some cherry ripe notes, which were prominently there at the start. But as it started to mellow out in the glass there, we saw some mint coming through. Yep. And I guess finally on the nose, it's significantly more mellowed out now. 
And it, it's, really it doesn't carry that same intensity or punch that it had at the start when we first poured it into the glass. So I think we just need to get into the palate. Wow, it's a very, I don't know, it kind of it throws you around a little bit on the palate. Yeah, like, it does, it does, it does. And like the thing is, I've, I don't think I've ever experienced this kind of, this kind of taste in a scotch. No. It's really weird. It's, um, so I don't know if this is like characteristic of Australian whiskey or maybe characteristic of Tasmanian whiskey or if this is something unique to Hellier's Road. But like my initial impressions was first there was a sweetness that was almost like both sugary, but as well as fruity. So almost like a preserve or a jam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's almost like a bit, it's weird. It's got, it's got almost like a sour kind of note to it as well. Yeah, there's, there's a bite there. It's definitely a bite there. And I could, I'd, uh, I'd almost say it's like a bit biscuity as well. Mm-hmm. There's a lot going on. I'm really enjoying the complexity. Yeah. Yeah. And what I'm getting at the end, and it's still like it's coming back that was present on the nose, is a lot of that really mulchy, grassy notes. Like, I feel like I've, yeah, I've just mowed the lawn and like this stuff has been thrown up in the air and it's just really. You're just eating it as it's coming up fresh. in the- <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Basically, <laughs> just munching it down. <laughs> no catcher on the back of the lawn. Yeah, no, yeah. There's no catcher here. We're just, <laughs> just mouth behind the lawn. No. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah. it's, um, I think what I find really interesting is like, if I'm comparing it to, um, the Ardbeg Black, I'd say on the palette, the influence of the Pinot Noir is significantly less compared to that. Like, I don't get those, I guess that kind of dark fruity note. Yeah. There's, there's almost like a hint of a berry at the end, like maybe like a black currant coming towards at the end, but nowhere near as prevalent or as strong as the Pinot Noir flavors were coming across in black. And that, like, that may just come down to the fact that this is just finished in Pinot Noir casks. Like, it wasn't aged in them. Oh, uh, yeah. That's probably... That could probably be it. Because it's been aged in American white oak barrels. And okay, it's been yeah. finished off for up to six months in okay. French oak. So, I think those that bite that's kind of coming across that's, yeah, that's maybe that even oaky, a little bit that peppery. Nature, yeah. yeah, can can be attributed to the oak. Yeah, that's that's true. It does have like that bit of that spice there on the back of the palate. But um Yes, yeah, so it's almost yeah. like it's just soaked in Pinot Noir cast to give it flavor, to give it a little bit more of a touch, a little bit like of an additional layer that's kind of sitting underneath everything else. Yeah, and if anything, just to give it this beautiful color as well. Yeah, like that color is uh, I don't know, it is just unique to like I've never seen any whiskey this color. <laughs> It's almost, I guess, near to being on par with the bourbon, how dark they were. Yeah. But I mean, all in all, enjoying this one so far. It's 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 great. Like, thank you for the recommendation. And if anyone else <laughs> said at the top, but I just cannot stress how much we would really appreciate recommendations from listeners. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, I mean, the whole world of whiskey, it's so wide, you know, there's so many different things out there. And I guess Daniel and I are limited to what we stumbled across in the shops and what worked. I guess, interested in it at that time, and we mentioned it before, we're both like incredibly impulse buyers, right? So yep. it's, just, it's like you go in and it's like, oh, okay, yeah, I came in to get this. And then then you just kind of look over and you're like, oh, this, is, this looks pretty cool. I was going to walk out with this one. And then you completely forget about the bottle that you actually came to buy. Yep. Yep. But like on that, on the world of whiskey and on what we've been exposed to, what what, what have been your impressions, Brad, of like whiskey and pop culture? Because I know mine, my biggest ones were... Growing up, coming to that age of hitting 18 years old, the legal drinking age in Australia. <laughs> Not, sorry, our American listeners. <laughs> but, like, that, I was watching How I Met Your Mother at the time. Yeah, yeah, same for me, yeah. like, both Ted and Barney, they loved whiskey. And so did Robin, Robin, Ted, Barney, yeah. Robin. They all loved whiskey. And that was kind of one of the things, like, that played a big part on why I was leaning towards that, because I enjoyed that show so much. 
and I mean, I not like, necessarily the ending, but ah, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it took me so but, long to watch that ending. <laughs> oh no, I was the same. But yeah, that was the same for me. You know, it's like you're looking at it, you're like you know Barney, Robin, and Ted. You're like, oh man, like I can't wait till I can go out and do that. Yeah, yeah. You know, you're like, oh, I can't wait till I can go out with my friends to a bar, order order a couple of drams, and just kick back and just enjoy. Yeah, and then for me, following shortly after that was Community with Jeff, like the lawyer yeah. character in Community. He His was like McAllen, McAllen, right? yeah. yeah. I haven't still haven't got around to trying yeah, McAllen. Yeah, same here. But it was kind of just that additional class that drinking whiskey seems to give to you. So yeah, I was like, even though you're like in, in tracky bottoms and... Yeah, basically, I was sitting on my sofa. <laughs> <laughs> just underwear singlet, just yeah. like eating Cheetos straight out of a bag. <laughs> yeah. But you got the glass of whiskey there. Yeah, exactly. So you, you do feel fancy. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's just like, it's just these subtle influences that shows we've watched and pop culture have had. Yeah, and even for me as well, like thinking to Archer as well. You yep. know, he drinks that made-up brand, Glen Gooley. Yeah, which kind of looks a little bit like Glen Fiddick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then, like, he has it with a side of gummy bears. Like a Perfect pairing. It's like you and your Cheetos on the couch <laughs> with, with your um, Dramer whiskey. But maybe we should get gummy bears for future episodes. <laughs> Just dunk it in the whiskey. Yeah. I don't know if that'll do anything. I'll absorb it. Yeah, then, of course, I guess, like, maybe... Like, I'd even say he's probably, like, the biggest pop culture influence is just Ron Swanson in Parks and Recreation. Oh, absolutely. He's, you know? like... Isla to the spotlight there. Yeah, and I guess of course that Lagavulin, you know, and mm. like even for me and like for Daniel and myself, Lagavulin's like to us is huge. We we love Lagavulin, you know, and and I'm sure Ron Swanson played a part in that. I guess even subconsciously. Yeah, well, I think because I can't remember if we've mentioned this before, but when I first tried Lagavulin, I said I didn't I didn't even know really how to pronounce it. I just ordered it and kind of loved it, and I <laughs> almost I want that one, that one, please. <laughs> <laughs> play that thing where you're trying to think you're like mm, maybe i'll stop at this one yeah this one looks good when you're not just pointing to one you don't know yeah. how to say yeah. <laughs> um yeah so kind of ordered lagerville and fell in love with it i'm almost certain i may have already been watching parks and rec at the time just yeah. never drew that connection and then it wasn't until recently that i did and i was like i had a bottle of that how did i not? so i basically went out the next day and bought a bottle of lagerville and again yeah <laughs> but that's definitely it like yeah definitely ron swanson with his lagerville and that's played a lot in like i guess the most recent influence of whiskey and pop culture, at least for me, you, and a lot of the people I know. Thinking that as well, like thinking back to you sitting on the couch with your Cheetos and your, a glass of whiskey. I mean, what occasions are we drinking whiskey to? I mean, you've already said one of yours. <laughs> I mean, you've already said one of yours. That's basically it. <laughs> That's basically it, yeah. If like, ever I'm like living like trash and I just want to pick up the class a little bit. <laughs> no, so um, I'm a uni student. I'm still forever a uni student still studying at what am i 27 at the moment <laughs> i i do enjoy a whiskey when i'm working on uni stuff like sitting at my desk pouring over some studies writing some papers and just having a whiskey there it's kind of like that accompaniment that kind of harks back to certain images whether it comes to i think ernest hemingway was a big whiskey drinker and i don't know too much about him personally and he was a big whiskey drinker so it's like, kind of like that idea of you're sitting down and you're doing intellectual intellectual work or you're just like putting your mind to paper yeah and just having a whiskey sitting there to accompany you to help facilitate that that's what just to loosen the gears up a bit basically yeah. <laughs> to kind of dull down those filters that you yeah. may initially be putting in your mind um yeah and that's like kind of where i've always sat whiskey uh, aside from an a, a birthday or an occasion like a birthday, a wedding, a 
birth of a child, like the kind of typical life events where a bottle of whiskey comes out. Like that's my usual go-to time for drinking. I say whiskey, but I more mean scotch. Yeah. Because for me, bourbon's a little different. I tried that with a bourbon the other week after we did our bourbon episode and it didn't have the same effect. And I think that come down to when we were talking about our dram in words for bourbon. Like bourbon for me was always associated with outdoors, with like a ranch or the country. And so I kind of usually associate it with manual labor or hard work. So I can imagine like where Hellia's Road is like, it's me mowing the lawns. Like when I come in from mowing the lawns, I'd have a glass of bourbon because it's kind of like that wind down. Okay. Yeah. Physical exertion. What about you? Yeah. For me, like scotch, like I drink it, I guess at the end of a work day, really. Because like for me, I find scotch, I I can drink it whenever. Mm -hmm. And that's just because I thoroughly enjoy it. You know, so like I, I'll, I'd always find enjoyment in drinking scotch. And yeah. even for me, like bourbon, like I, I actually did enjoy having bourbon, like when I just had it as a, just a porter dram and just kicked back and had a yeah. glass of bourbon. I actually enjoyed it. And I guess, well, I do have Elijah Craig at home. So that, that was the one that I was pouring and drinking and we both thoroughly enjoyed Elijah Craig. Mm. Well, I guess I wouldn't say thoroughly is probably the right word. We did enjoy it more than um, the Long Branch and the Buffalo Trace. So yeah. Luckily for me, I had that bottle at home, so made it probably a bit easier for me to enjoy that experience. But yeah, look, um, and the thing with scotch as well is perfect in winter. Yeah, it definitely is. Like, yeah. that's the other thing. If it's a really cold or rainy day, to sit down and have a glass of scotch when you're warm in your house is just, especially an Isla scotch. Like, yeah. You're almost getting the warmth of the fire as yeah. well without actually... We don't have a fireplace here, so (laughs) getting the warmth of a fire without being able to light a fire in an apartment near Sydney. Yeah. And then even um, just even in summer, still great. I'll still drink Isla in summer. See, the thing is like when you're asking me what occasions I drink whiskey to, it's kind of hard for me to answer that question because I'd say every occasion. Yeah. yeah. It's just just, um, kind of a cop-out answer there, but that's really what it is. Yeah. And I mean, like to make light of quite a serious situation, (laughs) the last summer when with the massive bushfires here, like... There was that much smoke in the air that every dram I was drinking was an Isla dram. <laughs> oh yeah, that was that was insane. Yeah, bloody insane. Now, I guess going back, I guess thinking like one of our previous episodes where we mentioned, I guess our current list of whiskey. Man, it's like a struggle what we're going through at the moment. I guess just with the whole pot and um pot and everything, it's just like, man, do we? buy again or try something new and then this even comes in like to you guys sending us recommendations because of course when you send us a recommendation we're gonna probably lean towards that and we're gonna go buy that yeah and that's the thing like we go to the shops and i have some that i've absolutely loved that i haven't had on my shelf for a while like it's been i'd say almost four months since i've had a talisker 10 i said it's a while but maybe it's not a while for some people's scale but like from the time i bought that to the time i finished the bottle was a very short time period and so yeah. it feels like i've been without it for a lot longer and i also haven't had a bottle of the like of and 16 on my shelf for i want to say almost a year yeah i was gonna say even longer because well i mean like yeah. i've got the 16 so then that kind of balances that's it out, balanced well. it out. Yeah. but i'm like those those two are almost the two that i would say I would love to have on my shelf constantly. But as you said, when we started the pod, there's just been so many options and that have come up for us to buy because it gives a great opportunity for us to review new things, to try new things. So I guess that's the, the question. It's like, do we buy something we love or do we use that money to buy something brand new? And so like, for me, it's kind of like a toss up. I'm like, I, I'd have to play it by ear or maybe I just double down that month and buy two. Or we just, you know, 
give in to our true nature, which is just to be bloody impulse buyers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, look, maybe one day one of you guys will get to come with us to the, to the liquor store or the bottle of us. We Aussies affectionately call it. Yep. And you guys are going to be like, what the hell? Because we'll be standing there with five different bottles <laughs> in our arm. We're like, what do we do? And it's just like, yo, Daniel, look at that. Grab it. And then you turn around, look at the bourbon behind you. Oh my God. <laughs> do I get this instead? Put, yeah. the, put, the, put the scotch back on the shelf, holding the bourbon. Okay, I'm going to get this. And then you turn the corner. Actually, no, wait, no, I'm going to grab that. <laughs> and then you hold both of them. You're like, actually, this bourbon's pretty affordable. Maybe I can fit both of these in. And then you look at it and you're like, oh... Should I get two though? <laughs> it's it's a pain. Yeah, we, we really need someone to act as a responsible adult when we go to the bottle. Like acting like a parent in a sweets in like the lolly aisle with a child. Like you can have one and only one. So you pick one and then you take that to the front. Yeah, I mean, first world problems, guys. It, it really it really <laughs> yeah. is. But it's just just finding so much enjoyment in it. And it's like, you know, like sure, like they put a dollar value on it and you have to be aware of how much you're spending on these things. I mean, or you don't, but you know, you don't, or you don't, <laughs> or you don't, you don't have to be, but yeah. But it's like, there, there, needs to be, <laughs> there, there needs to be a balance between what whiskey's like valued at and what the company's price them at. Because like, if you're just putting ridiculous prices on ones where you haven't specified like an age statement or natural color or filtration, so you don't know what kind of quality you're getting. Like there needs to be a balance there. But for the ones that we, do spend money on that have either come to us from recommendations and therefore we know there are people out there who appreciate them and we can find that appreciation in them then you can't really like yeah money doesn't really matter when it comes to how much you're finding enjoyment in it yeah and it's a lot easier i guess to part with that as well because if you know someone's already placed i guess some value on that then you can kind of i guess appreciate that as well so then you can kind of see yeah they're getting some enjoyment out of that bottle so i'm i'm probably gonna get that as well Maybe not necessarily to the same level or maybe even more so. And then that's part of the whole journey that we're on where we want to experience as many different kinds of whiskey as possible. Yeah. And like one of the things I find is whiskey is so much more enjoyable when you have people to enjoy it with. Oh, yeah. hundred percent. And it's like we've, we've really like expanded our whiskey horizon just by talking with each other and then having a pod where we have the opportunity to talk with all of you. Like it's just expanded our enjoyment of it like it's kicked like it kicked it up a notch when we're able to share it with each other and then it's just like dialed it up to 10 when we've had a platform to communicate that wider yeah and even just blows our mind to see that it's not just us listening back to the episode yeah (laughs) it's just like jesus man you know we've got listeners in america in england in france in russia yeah in russia yeah oh it's it's crazy you know so, I mean, getting back to the dram here, we've had a lot of talk. Yeah. Back mm-hmm. to the dram. We've added some water. Intensely, I guess not not intensely. What I'm getting now on the nose is cherry ripe has just turned up incredibly. It's a, it's a lot sweeter on the nose now. Yeah. Like for me, I'm still like, you know, that cherry ripe, it's still sticking with me. Yeah. For me, like I, I'm getting the cherry ripe, like no doubt about that. It's just, there is something else gonna do it again there's something else there that's sticking to me really strong and i would almost point it down to i think maybe you mentioned at the start like almost like a biscuity Mm -hmm. note man i'd say it's like a choc chip okay yep yeah it's like a choc chip kind of biscuit like i guess on the finish for me not necessarily not necessarily on the palate but it's like as everything's kind of falling away 
after you've had it, then you're kind of left with like a biscuity mouthfeel. It's pretty great. Like, yeah. oh man, I'm enjoying this one. And I think what's... So, like after adding the water, it's still present and it's almost become extra clear to me that there is like a pepper to it. Yeah. And I think what was throwing me off initially was the fact that when we've had pepper present in a dram before, it's usually from a scotch that has... It's been a coastal dram, so it's got a lot of the salt to it. So, they kind of... There's an interplay between them that you can't quite disentangle. And to have it just pepper here was a little bit like of a like surprise at first. And you couldn't quite pinpoint what it is, or at least I couldn't. And now I can definitely, like, it's definitely pepper. Yeah. I mean, like, I mean, I keep saying it, but I'm enjoying this one. Mm, yeah, definitely. It's got like a really nice mouthfeel. Like it's like oily, but not super oily where it feels like it's coated your entire mouth. I mean, even that, like, it's just well pleasant. Oil- yeah. Yeah. Like, while it is oily, the finish isn't super long, though. No. Like, it does fall apart very quickly. Yeah. And that's probably, I guess, like, even likening it even more to that biscuity kind of nature where it's just kind of crumbling away. Yeah, that's that's a good description. Yeah. But, I mean, if anything, this just, again, keeps showing you guys, you know, just the recommendation, send them in. <laughs> yeah. Cause Please. Because we are loving this one. Back to the talk. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, just, just jumping off what we were talking about before, where, like, the situations we enjoy whiskey in like while that's the case it's not always solely located to them like i'm not only drinking whiskey when i'm watching when i'm doing uni work like one of the biggest factors for me which kind of i think like sat in my mind and then pushed me into joining the whiskey club was me and a mate and a couple of his friends we would always do a trilogy day every year so it was like the first weekend of july and we would watch the original star wars trilogy and he was a member of a whiskey club and I still don't know what one it is. And I don't even think he remembers, <laughs> but it was, they did like independent bottlings. Okay. And yeah. it was like, it wasn't the Scotch malt whiskey society. And I'm pretty sure it was like from, but it was something similar and the whiskeys were a lot more affordable. So I think it wasn't maybe necessarily just from Scotland. I think there was a lot of Australian influence there as well. But anyway, like I just remembered him having these, bottles that were like independent bottling so they had kind of strange and different labels and that weren't actually attributed to any distillery okay but he just always had new and different whiskeys and they were coming in he's got a kid now so he doesn't (laughs) have the disposable income to join a whiskey club but we've taken that up but i just always like associate as well drinking whiskey with watching the original star wars trilogy which has been pretty fun and you joined this year yeah this year yeah so that was just another option for us to combine (laughs) our enjoyment of whiskey with our love of Star Wars. Yeah, it's just, I guess, maybe, I guess not two things that you'd necessarily, I guess, imagine go together. Yeah. But, you know, they do. It works. It works. And I think, yeah, maybe we can, like, a lot of these topics we'll come to as we, like, talk more. We'll probably elaborate a little bit more in future episodes, but I think we're just talking more about, like, our experiences with the whiskey and where they intersect with the other things we do in life. Yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, at the end of the day, it's like, this is as much a hobby as, like, for me, I really enjoy, it's the hobby board game world, right? Like, I really enjoy that. And I guess, like, I'm, and I'm not really talking about, like, Cluedo, Monopoly, and like those what you'd, I guess, traditionally imagine, right? But I really enjoy those. And there's, like, a game that I uh, got off Daniel for mm-hmm. my birthday, uh, Glenmore. Yep. where you're a Scottish Highlander and you're building up your clan. And then I guess we played, I guess, with an expansion where you got to age your single malt as well. 
That was that was what sold me on this. Yeah, game. that like, was. I was like, there's this game I heard of, and you get to like play as a Scottish clan, and then I was like, okay, cool. So that's like another board game. So I think we played a couple of yeah. them, like Catan, which is I guess one of the more standard yeah. ranged ones, and then there's some um, where you like yeah. plays like Vikings and stuff, and you build your towns and. There's like agendas you got to meet, mm-hmm. but then when you mentioned that this game has the option to age whiskey, it was like, hold up, yeah, wait a minute, why do we not already own this? Yeah, so then we got into it, we played it, and pretty much straight away we're like, we just need to play with the one where we can age the whiskey. Yep, and then you also get to gamble over haggis. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's one part where you got, to, I, can't, I can't remember how that exactly worked. But yeah, that yeah, like you're like gambling over the haggis, and yeah. like you didn't know. How much value each plate of haggis had? Oh, I mean, it was great. I'm, sure, I'm sure there are places in Scotland where you are taking a gamble when you order haggis. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, yeah, it's like just one of those things where, again, like whiskey is as much to me a hobby as that industry is as well. Yeah. So then I find incredible enjoyment out of whiskey, and like I'd go to it and continue to try and explore it and develop it because, yeah, like I have a passion for it. Yeah, and I, like I love. Like, that's one of the things. Like, I love how diverse whiskey is and how different people have different associations with it. Like, for me, Star Wars, you, board games. But then it's also, like, combining other things. Like, it can intersect with so many aspects of life. Like, I love to travel. And then when you travel, you go and visit distilleries because it's just a thing you do when you travel. And going to the distilleries, I usually try and buy a Glen Cairn glass with, like, the distillery engraved on it. I think I've only got a couple because there were a few that didn't have them. Like some that yeah. didn't have Glencairn glasses, but got some other version of a glass from there. But I think I've got some from Talisker, from Ben Nevis, from the Glenfiddich, uh, Tomaton, Glenlivet, and Strathyla. I believe they're the collection I have. I may have some more. And Glen Scotia. Okay. Yeah. So they're the distilleries I've been to on my two trips to Scotland. Oh, and Glenmorangie. But the Glenmorangie glass is like a tumbler, more of like okay, a rocks yeah. glass. So it's not like a Glen, 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 Glen can. But yeah, and then like, you know, because whiskey's essentially made all over the world, wherever you go, you're bound to be able to find a distillery. Yeah, you're bound to stumble onto one. Like I know you, you've been to a distillery in Japan, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. But for me, the distillery I went to was for soju. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So that even that, that was a great experience as well. And just getting to buy and try the soju that they had there and being able to purchase bottles that aren't readily available in stores. Yeah, I mean, like, I think, yeah, Daniel, you had some of the soju and like, when you came yep. over and it, yeah, it was bloody good. It's so good. <laughs> yeah, so, like, even for us, like, I mean, we're not limited to whiskey. We do drink other things, but, mm-hmm. I mean, look, maybe one day on the pod we'll just may- maybe do, like, a bonus episode, I guess, or something else. But for now... There's way too much going on in the world of whiskey for us to diverge or delve into anything else. Too many we already want to buy. And then when we get recommendations from listeners, it's like, well, I guess we also got to buy that. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, yeah, going with that, like as we were talking, like I think we both finished our drams. And I mean, man, I really enjoyed this one. I mean, bloody solid recommendation from Kane. I mean, like, yeah, thank you, Kane. It it was, it's so complex. Like I found it changed so much from the moment I poured it into the glass to when we first tried it to when we added the water and even on the finish like it's just a range of flavors that I'm still experiencing like even though we said the finish was kind of me like short to medium I'm still getting some different flavors from it and it's like yeah that biscuitiness is still coming across there's also like a sweet almost honey 
note to it. Yeah. Like I'd almost say maybe an Anzac cookie. Okay. Like for yeah. someone who don't know, like Anzac cookies usually made from like oat, whatever cookies are made from, and honey. <laughs> a golden <laughs> syrup. Is... There's like coconut as well in it. I think so, yeah. yeah. But yeah, I mean, what I really enjoyed with this one, I guess, is just that it was just constantly evolving in the glass. Yeah. So, I mean, like you mentioned, like from the from the instant you poured it to the time that it was left in the glass, it was still changing, still evolving. And then you add the water and it's still going through changes and evolving. And we kept, we left it in the glass as we were talking and mm-hmm. still, still moving around and changing in the glass. Yeah. Just, man, really good one here. Like solid recommendation. And I think like when it comes now to a dram with words. Yeah. I mean, like. I think from what I've already said, it's yeah. kind of a no surprise where I'm going to say is like, I've just mowed the lawn. Maybe I've gone inside and I've picked up a cookie or a biscuit. Yeah. I'm eating that biscuit and I'm just, I don't know. It's, it's almost like, cause there's that pepperiness that you just really can't yeah. escape. So I'm just trying to think how to tie that into my dram. It's like, maybe I put my cookie down on the bench and I just been cooking something. There's pepper left on the bench <laughs> and I pick the cookie up again and put it in my mouth. And I'm like, there's an extra flavor there. I think that's pepper. What are you doing there? I don't know if I hate it. Maybe it works. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like for me, like a dream in words, like I'd even stay, like it's the same as well. Like I'd say I'd be gardening, but more so like, um, I'm just like, I guess doing the finishing touches yep. in the backyard. You know, you've got the sugarcane mulch mm-hmm. and you kind of just, uh, I guess you're putting it there over the, I guess like around the plants. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that's what you do with sugarcane mulch. Like, I don't know. I don't garden. Live in a par- live in an apartment, guys. So I don't do much gardening. So so bear with me. You know, so yeah, I'm going there. I'm putting that sugarcane mulch there. So I'm getting that mulchy nature smell. And then I go inside. And then it's like, oh man, just a lot of work. Like it's, it's a bit much. And then you just go to the pantry. You gotta, you're looking for something sweet just mm-hmm. to, just to, Give you that bit of a sugar rush, and yep. you just go back out there and finish it off. All you got, you just got a cherry ripe. Have the cherry ripe, mm. so you've got those notes of cherry. You got that dark chocolatey note as well. So that's probably adding to that soury bit of sweetness that you're getting there. And then you get the coconut that you find in cherry ripe. So I guess I don't know if cherry ripe is found around the world. I don't know if that's an Australian thing. Not really sure, yeah. If, yeah. if any if any of our American listeners are very confused what we're talking about when we say cherry ripe, Google it. <laughs> yeah, just Google it, yeah. But either way, like it's just the dark chocolate with like a flavor of cherries, like a, I guess coconut inside it as well. Yeah, it's like cherries and coconut that is kind of like formed like a... I don't know. I don't know what you call it. Newberry. Yeah. yeah, I don't know, but it's 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 pretty good. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, so you've eaten that then you just go back outside and you continue working on. And then as you're working, you're still getting that sweetness in your mouth. But then you still have that mulchy, naturey smell around you as well. Yeah, no, that's, that's very good. It's like when you're still outside and you've got like a piece of it still like yeah. in your mouth. Yeah, that's that's a good description. Yeah, so that was pretty much my dreaming words there for me. And I mean, if we're looking at ratings, Daniel, what what do you got here for Hellier's Road Pinot Noir Cask? My only hesitation with the ratings here is one: I don't know what other Tasmanian whiskies taste like. Yeah, I don't know what else Hellier's Road is like, so I don't know what this expression of Hellier's Road. Like, I don't know how it compares to yeah, others. Or, like, even how it compares to, like, I guess their core bottle. Yeah. yeah. So, it was definitely complex. It was definitely different from what I've experienced before. I mean, like, I think I'd have to put it at a seven. Like, it was just, just like a solid seven. Yeah, that's the same for me. It's a seven for me as well. It was just, yeah, it was great. Definitely well above average. Yeah. Just because of how complex it was and how much 
it continued to develop. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, like it, it would be a pretty big injustice, I think, to give it like a five. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like even like a six, just because of how complex and how much was going on there. But yeah. I, mean, I know it's the first Australian whiskey we've looked at on the pod. I mean, like, I think a solid entry for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good one to start off with. <laughs> yeah. But it, it does make me really excited to see what else Hellier's Road has to offer because I think, I'm like, they've, they've got a really good design. They've got really nice bottles. I mean, like, this one has a great color. I'm just, and I know we've, I have encountered Hellier's Road before. The Whiskey Club did have an optional add-in, which was the Hellier's Road Peated. Yeah, and yeah. And unfortunately couldn't get that. It just sat a little bit too far out of my price range. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was that was pretty high up there in the price. I, I guess compared like, to whatever they had. Whatever yeah, like two hundred and ninety Australian dollars, which was pretty steep. Like that's more than I've spent on any of my other bottles. Yeah, I think it was more like I guess for me, my hesitation was like I'd never tried anything from Hellier's Road. Right. Yeah. Like two hundred ninety might have been a bit steep for me to I guess jump in on something. Yeah. Like even now, like even though like I know Hellier's Road does decent whiskey, like still even at that two, like I'd love to taste it but I don't know if I'd be able to still like justify putting down 290 for a bottle. Yeah, but if anything, this just has me even more excited to go out there and just buy and try as many Aussie whiskeys as possible. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Australian whiskey is... We're coming for you. Yeah, we're coming for you. And I mean, with that, ladies and gentlemen, I think... Because that wraps it up. Yeah, that probably wraps it up. I mean, hope you enjoyed the talk episode of dram talk <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah is. kind of like a little bit different for us from what we're usually accustomed to recording so hopefully you enjoyed it hopefully there was some ideas or thoughts that kind of maybe resonated with you if you have anything to say about our episode we'd love to hear from you um all recommendations suggestions and opinions are welcome yeah and- just get into contact you know dramtalk.au at gmail.com or you can reach out through Instagram at Dram Talk Podcasts. Yes, I mean, key takeaways, guys. Whiskey is for everyone. Okay? Everyone. <laughs> everyone. So don't exclude anyone. Just pour a glass, grab another one, and pour another one as well. Just get as many people involved as possible. And as always, pour another dram! <laughs>